Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm Jamie Baines. Today, I'm talking to Dave Burt, a retired police officer who worked for the Richmond Police Department for 31 years, 26 of those years as a homicide detective. Over the course of his homicide career, Dave worked over 100 murders. Over 100. Incredible. Dave and I talk about his years with the department, and he gives some sage advice to officers and detectives still out there doing what he did for more than half of his life. I hope you enjoy the interview. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jamie Baines. Today we've got Dave Burt. Um, Dave, you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Dave, why don't you tell me this? Uh, you were a homicide detective for a lot, a lot, a lot of years with Richmond, right? 26 years out of my 30 and some change, I was in the murder unit. So give us some background. What? Uh, when did you join the department? Uh... Joined the Richmond Police Department in on November the 20th of 1989. And where did and, you start at? Were you at patrol? Uh, yes, I did. I did my field training and third precinct. And then once I graduated, uh, I was invited to come back to third precinct. And what shift were you working in third? Uh, back then, you know, we was on that... Uh, that alternating shift where you did a few days of midnights and then you had a few days off and you flipped back with a few uh, daytimes, a few days off, and then you had a few evening shifts. So you pretty much got a chance to really work uh, all the shifts, you know, at one time. You know, we did that for about a year before they actually went to the permanent shifts. And during that time, so you started, what year did you start? I uh, started in 1989, but my academy graduated in 1990. So were the uh, when you got out of the academy, were the homicides really kicking off then? Because at one point, we were um, Richmond was the highest like in the nation per capita. Were they was it that far yet, or was it getting just getting uh, there? When when I first came on the street, you know. Crack hadn't really hit Richmond yet. So I got on the street basically in 1990. Uh, crack cocaine pretty much came to the city of Richmond probably in like 91, 92. And then and when did you go to homicide? In 95, November of 95. What kind of increase in murders did you see um, between 91 and 95 when the crack really hit Richmond? Oh, it was people just was trying to fight for territory. And, you know, a lot of people from the northern areas would come down to Richmond and uh, just try to kind of take over. And, and you kind of remember back then the drugs was on the corner back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had all kind of drive by shootings on a regular basis, things like that. And, you know, it, it, it was really bad out there for a while. Definitely. And are you from Richmond? Yes, I am. You are. So you grew up in Richmond, so you kind of saw it going all the time. Uh, believe it or not, you know, I was from Henrico County and, you know, playing sports and things like that. So, you know, I, I really wasn't tuned in to the crime and stuff that was going on in the city. You know, you will see it on the news and things like that. But, you know, uh, in the area where I lived that, you know, nothing like that was going on to my knowledge. So, Therefore, I didn't pay too much attention to it. Was it an eye-opener once you got in the city and started working? Oh, yes, it was. Definitely. Definitely an eye-opener. And what kind of led you down the homicide road? Uh, I think when I first got uh, uh, one of my 
uh, assignments, you know, outside of patrol, you know, I went, you know, they had the little training time where you can go to the, uh, you know, back then they called it strike force before it was strike force. It was called snap. And that was basically one of those, you know, units that goes into the neighborhoods and, you know, like a jump out squad. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, you start making arrests and things like that, you know, you was like, wow, you know, every time we come out here, we actually coming back with somebody, (laughs) (laughs) you know, know, it it won't like we had a day that we missed it. You know, you, you come to work and you, you know, you go out there and next thing you know, within 15, 20 minutes, you know, you got somebody in handcuffs. It was just that busy and that stuff going on. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And did that turn you know, into a, a road for the homicide unit for you? Well, uh, not exactly then. I think when I went back to patrol after I did that stand in the strike force, and I remember we had a, it was like a triple homicide uh, over there on, I'm trying to think, I think it was Hawthorne Avenue where the tennis courts are. Mm-hmm. And I remember me and, um, uh, one of my guys on the ship, Alvin Prince, we was out there and, you know, and I, I just seen the way that the homicide guy showed up. You know, this is when, you know, I think was my first encounter with C.T. Woody and James Hickman and Billy Blaylock and those guys, you know, you know, back then, you know, they was like almost like the gods of the department. Mm-hmm. You know, and once they showed up, you know, everybody just kind of stood around and kind of watched to see how they was working and things like that. You know, and I thought to myself, you know, I said, one day I think I want to be right there where they are. And then bam, there you were. You were probably one of the longest um, people in homicide, weren't you? You said, was it 26 years total? 26. I I tied C.T. Woody. You tied C.T. Woody. Do you still remember your first homicide? Uh, Yes, I do. Uh, My first case was down on Old Denny Road. Uh, down there in Fullerton where uh, a young man was uh, had brought some guys to his house to do a deal at his house, and they ended up killing him in his bedroom. And his mom had came home, and she had been in the house probably for about seven or eight hours and didn't even know he was back there. She, she just thought he was asleep until she uh, opened the door and saw him on his bed. And just so his mom just found him, just had no idea, and went back and had, had no idea he was even a, that that he was uh you know back there and had been killed. You know he was uh she just thought he was sleeping in a room or something like that. Do you ever get used to making the notification to the uh, to their loved ones, parents, girlfriends, husband, wives? Never, never. That to, to me, to me that was the hardest part of the job was you know, going over to a person's house and, and delivering that information, you know, that never got easy, you know, you know, going out there and actually working the cases and seeing the bodies and, you know, seeing, you know, how they were left and things like that. But to me, the notification uh, was the hardest part of the job. And you actually become that loved one's detective, don't you? You are always there. Oh, for one. You've got your phone, your pager, you're you're yeah, never definitely. off when you're a homicide detective, are you? That that is correct. You know, uh, I used to always tell the families to, you know, if you hear anything, just give me a call or send me a message, or you know, because a lot of times, you know, people 
that didn't trust the police. They didn't want to give us that information, but they'll give the family the information. And I just expressed to people that once they received it, just, you know, make sure they gave it to me so I can run a little further with it. And would you stay close to the families once the case oh, yeah. was completed? And Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe it or not. I, I see some of the people uh, today, family members today from some of the cases I work where I'm working at now down at VCU Health. And, and they remember me, you know, and, you know, was telling me, you know, how they appreciated how I worked on that case and stayed in touch with them. And, you know, and how pleased they were with the outcomes when we actually went to court. And how many cases, Dave, do you remember? How many cases did you work? Do you remember how many uh, bodies I, you yes, had? I, yes, I do. I had 117. 117, and that's over 20, 26 years. Yeah. And did, did being a homicide detective take a toll on either your health, your mental health, your physical health? Uh, I don't think so. You know, in my mind, you know, the, the way I separated the job from my home life was, you know, if you ever have been to my home or to my house or anything like that, you know, I've never had anything inside my house that said I worked for the police department. I never had a cup or a coffee cup or a mug or anything like that. I really? Kept, I never, no. When I was in patrol, I kept all my uniforms inside my vehicle. Uh, once I made detective, uh, you know, I never, if I had a uniform in the house, it was way back in the closet and, you know, we don't have to break it out when we do a parade or a marathon or something like that. But I have no pictures, no anything uh, inside my house during the course of the time I was working on the police department. And why did you do that? So you can maintain the separation? That is correct. You know, I feel like, you know, uh, well, you've seen my office before, you know, before I retired, you know, all my plaques and everything was on the wall up in there. It looked like a museum. <laughs> <laughs> but I had not, not one thing was in my home. And are you glad that you did it that way? Did you learn that from anybody or is that just the way Dave Burt wanted to do it? Um, I just I just felt like, you know, once I started seeing, you know, all of that carnage out there on the streets so to speak mm -hmm. you know i just had to find a way to make sure i didn't bring it home with me and do you think it worked oh i'm i'm sure it did you know I've, I've left out of there and you know have no regrets and uh you know i feel good i'm i'm healthy you know don't have any nightmares anything like that so um i've i've I felt that 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 process kind of helped me uh, get through those years of of being in the murder. What do you think, and I know you, you worked so many cases, what do you think the one that took its most of a toll on you? Or is there one, was there one that just got you really, that really messed you up? Um, and I'm not trying to, to, to <laughs> peel off no, any scabs but, and having oh, you... Oh, no, no, but I had a... I had a case over there on, I believe it was Roanoke Street. And this was toward the end of my career when uh, I was working evening shift one night and the call came over the radio, there were shots fired inside of a house. And uh, even when the police pulled up on scene, he saw a body laying by the mailbox and uh, shots were still going off inside the house. And I could hear uh, the intense um, in his voice just mm -hmm. by the way he was describing what he was uh, observing at that time. So, you know, once we got there, everything was over. And, you know, for what he did, you know, he killed 
his girlfriend which is the mother of his child uh he killed uh his baby his baby was uh 18 months old she uh he was sitting in a chair being fed by the grandmother uh he killed a friend of the baby's mother and then he turned a gun and killed himself and you know until this day you know well, we don't know why he did what he did no idea. There was no indications, no, no, none, no none, nothing. None, was, none whatsoever. Well, have you been keeping track with uh, what's going on in, like, policing today? I know you said you left before the protests kicked off. Um, yes. And have you been, were you following that at all? Did you try to not follow it? Did it disturb you with what was going on? Or what oh, were your def- kind of feelings? It, it definitely was disturbing because, you know, uh, you know, I had... You know, plenty, plenty of buddies left there that was out there in the thick of things every night, you know, and I would call and check on them from time to time just to make sure they was okay and they was doing all right. And, uh, you know, it was just horrible the way, you know, some of the things we saw on TV, mm-hmm. you know, how things was going out there in the street during the protests and things, you know, it was, it was just horrible. What did you think of the relationship? And this is before the protest started. Um, of the relationship between, and maybe even now, the police and the community, in your opinion, that you saw? Did you think that the Richmond Police Department had a decent relationship with the community? Uh, Yeah, I would say it was decent. You know, I'm not going to say it was the best because, you know, every time something would happen somewhere else in the world, it just seems like, you know, you had a few people that would try to, you know, bring that type of uh, negativity to, you know, a metropolitan city, whether it's, you know, Richmond or Norfolk or, you know, Hampton or places like that or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's nothing we could have done to, did to prevent that, I mm-hmm. don't believe. What would you, would you, what would you give advice to, I know we've got a lot of officers leaving the Richmond Police Department and going to different uh, departments or maybe just getting out of policing in general what would your advice be to officers who are maybe or people who may be thinking about becoming police officers in the city or officers who are already in the city? Um, would you tell them to kind of hang in there that it'll get better? Or would you do it all over again if you were 30 years younger, Dave Burt? Would you become a police uh, officer? I, I probably would. You know, the, the manner in which I chose this career, you know, I probably definitely would. You know, when I was in college, and, you know, my senior year, when you're going through your internships and stuff like that, you know, I, I basically, uh, you know, in a, one of the classes I was in, you know, you had to go to uh, probation and parole and see how they work. You had to go to juvenile justice, see how they work. Uh, you had to go down to a prison and corrections and kind of see how they work. But when I went to the law enforcement department um, in Durham, North Carolina, uh, as soon as I got in the police car that first day, you know, I was like, okay, this could be my career right here. It was no doubt. What, why do you think that? Why did it hit you just like that? I, I have no idea, but, you know, as soon, as soon as we got in the car and, and I just saw the way, you know, sure, the guy had a supervisor and everything, but basically, you know, he out there on the street by himself making all the decisions that he wanted to make. And, uh, you know, it was just like, you know, it's not like sitting in an office behind a desk and you got in front of a computer every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just action packed that whole 10 hours that I rolled with him. 
And, you know, from, from that moment there, you know, in my mind, I said, okay, this is going to be it. All my eggs is in this basket. And have you ever had any regrets? None. None. And you've always kept, since I've known you, we've known each other over 20 years. You've oh, yeah. always had just a sense of humor that's just a lot of the stuff we can't repeat. Did you have that sense of humor prior to becoming a police officer or did it kind of grow? Did you grow into it? Uh, I pretty much had it all my life, you know, and once, once you got to know me and I kind of, you know, you know, you know, we figured out that, okay, you will be one of my friends, things like that. Oh yeah. I just let it go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so you people know, know you were also on the negotiation team. That is correct. For how that many years? Uh, 21 years. And the last five years, I was the commander of the team. Okay. And so, and like, you know, the thing, about the th- folks, the thing about Dave is you talk to him, he's just hilarious, just so low key. But Dave is truly brilliant just from a homicide standpoint and a personable standpoint, just, just everything. So now what are you doing now, Dave? So you said that you retired after 31 years. Yeah. Uh, one day I just woke up and, and I was like, uh, I, I, I think I'm ready to go, you know, and I, you know, it got to the point where my desire to leave was greater than my desire to stay. So, you know, I was in that retirement program called the drop that the city of Richmond has. And I did right at five years. So I had a year left on the table and, I just say I think it's time for me to find something else. And this is prior to COVID hitting and, you know, the civil unrest. And, you know, I, I just, in my mind, I just felt like I had did enough. Mm-hmm. And do you miss it? I miss some of the people that's there, but I, I don't miss the work. No, you don't miss the work. The, you do, you've, done, you've done your time. Yes, yes, yes. You know, every now and then they they say you gotta you gotta turn this over to the younger man, and that's what I had to do. Do you ever get this? Do you ever miss the sense of, you know, for so many years we were um, on the other side of the tape. You know what I mean? I mean, like we knew what was going on. We would get the reports on other murders, have everything going on, and now we don't. <laughs> do you ever miss that insider information, uh-huh. or no? Well, sometimes I do, you know, when I hear about some of the cases of people that I was familiar with or some of me I interviewed in the past and, okay, now they have gotten killed or something like that, you know, I may make a call to a buddy and, you know, try to get some unofficial details. But uh, but for the most part, no, because like you say, just being out there doing it all those years and, you know, eventually, you know, you, you was going to have your last case and eventually you knew you was going to retire. So it's, it's how you prepare for that is, you know, how you go forward. Are you glad you did it in Richmond and not one of the surrounding counties? Yeah, I'm glad I chose Richmond. Definitely. What is I'm your... Glad- Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that, you know, at the time, that's where all the action was. And, you know, and, and I wanted to be where all the action was. What are your uh, what are your hopes for Richmond? Richmond kind of seems I like it's on the on the edge of maybe a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely hope things can get better over there because you got some great guys and some ladies that's still over there that's, you know, coming to work every day, doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, a lot of times they may have that self feeling of being unappreciated and, 
thing and that, you know, the city government is not really caring about them and all these surrounding counties now kind of boosting up people's money and things like that, trying to, you know, uh, get better applicants out there. But, uh, you know, Richmond, to me, you know, has the majority of the best applicants uh, where the best officers that's in the surrounding county. So hopefully uh, they can find a way to uh, keep them from leaving. Well said. Well said. Any final thoughts, Dave, before we go? Uh, no, like I said, you know, a lot of people that's at the end that's ready to retire, you know, I would just say, you know, definitely just don't go out there and just do it and you don't have a plan. You know, when you leave the department, you definitely need a plan because, you know, uh, I was a little nervous, you know, when I went over to the retirement office and put papers in and, you know, in my mind, you know, I was like, wow, I don't did this for 30 years. Now I'm about to do something new. So I definitely was a little nervous. Right. But uh, it seems like it all worked out. Because you were a cop longer than you weren't a cop. That in, is correct. In your life, correct? That, that is correct. I joined the police department. I was 23 years old. And you left and, at 31. Uh, so that was, that's what a lot of people don't realize. That a lot of times if you, when you stay all those years, you, you're a cop longer than you weren't a cop. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I rarely had a bad year, you know, where you could say, oh, this was a, a horrible year, things like that. You know, I just, you know, when I got to the point of where I was, a lot of people used to always ask me, well, why didn't you get promoted? Why don't you take the sergeant's exam and kind of go up the line? You know, I don't think that that was in the plans for me. You know, when I got to the place I really wanted, to be, mm-hmm. that's why I just laid it down. And I was and I was happy, I was content, and I enjoyed what I did. And to me, in order to be productive, you have to, and when you come to work, you got to enjoy what you do. You know, and so that that's how I made it. You know, when I got to you know, the homicide unit, you know, to me, I said this is why I'm going to end it at, and I did. Well, that's awesome, Dave. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I hope you come back and talk to us again. Hey, man, ain't no problem at all. All right, Dave, I'll talk to you soon. All right, man, take care. All right, bye. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed your time with Dave. I love that even though he doesn't regret being a cop, he maintained that separation between work life and home life. I think all professions should strive to separate work from home. I think it's better for you mentally, and it's better for you physically. And as Dave said for the officers, detectives, and really in any other profession, Do your best to formulate a plan for when you leave your job and head into retirement. Always take care of each other, but take care of yourself as well. And ignore those that want to lead us down the road of hate and ignorance. Those people are nothing. You and yours are everything. Thanks for listening.